Hi, welcome back to the Real Point Podcast. My name's Connor. My name's Priya. And this week <clears throat> we're taking a lighter approach. This was designed, we did intend for this to be a little bit more lighthearted. Yeah. Um, and we literally only just had the discussion as to what we're actually kind of grouping this episode into. It's kind of hard. We had the idea in our head, but it's almost kind of harder to say out loud. I mean, you could just, like, we'll obviously do a few episodes probably on, like, British film um, or British horror, mostly. But um, so this is like one of the episodes that will be British horror, but this is sort of more from a comedy horror. Yeah. This is something a little more lighthearted in tone, at least. Yeah. Um, and the sort of reason reasoning behind thinking for this one was that um, one is super well known, like everybody knows it, everybody's seen it. Um, yeah. I don't think I've met a single person who hasn't seen it. Whereas the second one is probably a little bit, it's still well known, but I think that less people probably have seen this one yeah um and it was just shining a bit of a spotlight on it because it's such a good movie um that i think more people kind of des- it deserves a little bit more attention yeah i mean these are two really good examples of how to do a good comedy horror film yeah. i mean not even to mention that like from a british perspective just as a like perspective as a whole yeah um both are very very good uh, both are amazing films like uh, obviously the first one I'm going to talk about I've seen is probably the one film I've watched most yeah. out of all films ever. Um, and the second one I've only seen a couple of times, but they're both like brilliant, brilliant films. Yeah. Um. So do you want to tell them what we're sure. the so two films are? For this week, about? we're talking about Shaun of the Dead by Edgar Wright, and we're following up with Attack the Block by Joe Cornish. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is also kind of a difficult thing as well, like sort of thinking about it. Um, there has there is not much to say about Shaun of the Dead that has not been said already. Yeah, um, we're kind of just um, maybe just talking about how the films set up uh, in terms of the things that they both films do really well. Yeah. Um, from like a, a not just a comedy horror perspective, but from a, like a, a comedy perspective separately and a horror pers- yeah. and a horror perspective, because um, both are very well done um shawn of the dead obviously everyone talks about really yeah um and i think it's a like a good example and you had films that sort of followed that like uh, thinking off the top of my head which we are going to do an episode talking about um like cabin in the woods yeah and things like that that came out after sort of shawn of the dead came out oh i was thinking more like kind of like the b-grade stuff that kind of followed shawn of the dead so like um cockneys versus zombies and like carpet fitters versus zombies and like all that kind of stuff that sort of followed like the working class um guy in a zombie apocalypse movie that seemed to be quite popular after that point Mm -hmm. um but it's quite funny that obviously um you know after having done an episode on 28 Days Later and Train to Busan and stuff that Shaun of the Dead came two years after Yes. Um, 28 Days yes. Later it also has a 28 Days Later reference Yeah. Um, but it's funny that it's also, it, it came at the right time it couldn't have come at a better no, time it, it, really, um, um, it did come very well I mean I will just say off the cuff this was the first zombie film I've ever seen with Shaun oh, really? of the Dead yeah, I, I must have been about 12 11 or 12 um, I think it was about I'm trying to think what age I would have been the year it came out. So it was about I was was nine the year it came out. So it was after it had been out, um, and it used to play film four a lot. I think it was on film four a lot. So 
I'd seen it obviously on film four and then I think we had a copy of the DVD as well. So it was my first sort of I had never seen a zombie film before this. Yep. Um so I as as I said Connor, I actually it's a great film. Even as a kid there's bits in it that you can find funny. But um from a zombie sort of film it is quite scary. <laughs> Yeah, like as a kid, I used to have nightmares yeah. about like because obviously I'd, I'd never seen anything else with zombies in it. So you only sort of hear what zombies are like, and then yeah. obviously seen it. Um, actually, secondly, not I think it was not long after I seen Shaun of the Dead, I seen the Dawn of the Dead remake, which came out in the same year. Was it the same year? Mm, yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. So I was actually gonna like say yeah. that. Um, it, like that's what I mean. Like it couldn't have come out at a better time in mm-hmm. terms of like it came out just shortly after like the zombie renaissance came back. Yeah. and kind of came just before it started kind of yeah. reaching its peak but then also kind of like falling down I mean peak. you've seen the original Dawn of the Dead haven't you? yeah a long time ago is it because I've only, I've only seen the remake mm. is it got comedy elements or is that just the remake that sort of got the comedy no it doesn't I wouldn't really say it has anything funny in it I mean if people are laughing at the Dawn of the Dead original they're probably laughing because it's old and yeah. it shows its age no, quite so well. Yeah, I, wouldn't, so like, there's probably, I think there's a couple of like quips in it, but it's not yeah. like inherently funny. No, I just wanted to like um, obviously yeah. off the top heads because I, I know the remake is slightly different. I think like I've not, as I say, I've not seen the original, but I actually quite like the Don Dead remake. Yeah, I think film. most people agree that it's good. Um, and I think is, but that's quite funny. It's the same year because American humor and British humor is very different. Yeah. Um, but mostly, well everyone around the world sort of really likes Sean of the Dead yeah um, but there are obviously a few jokes in it that are very you, you aren't going to laugh if, if you don't sort of yeah. get the sort of humour that is if you don't know what a Cornetto is yes so yeah, I don't even know. think that, I don't think they get Cornettos in the States so that's probably a whole thing yeah having to explain what a Cornetto is yeah or like hog lumps or or what hog lumps hog lumps is that like the hog do you like what they eat in the you know when they they chuck across like a packet of hog nuts, hog. I think it's hog lumps. Chuck you know they're pa- kind of like pork. Oh, pork you mean like pork scratching things? Yeah. All oh, right, yeah. All oh, right. Do you know okay. what I mean? Like I know they call like that. that in the movie. Sorry. <laughs> and, like, uh, I mean, I've never heard. I've never heard of hog lumps. I don't know if that's maybe meant to be like a, you know, like in movies and stuff where it's like you have a popular brand of a thing like Google or whatever, and then the character goes on the computer and uses. Woogle or something, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't know if that's that no, kind no, of thing. No, I, I thought it was just sort of like the how you would describe sort of what yeah, they are, I, you know, like, never kind of like pokey things. Yeah, mini cheddars, like, yeah, the, loads of stuff that is just like inherently uh, British. Yeah. But I mean, so everyone kind of knows the the sort of the setup for Shaun the Dead. Most people have seen this film. Um, if you haven't, definitely watch it. Um, but the set, like, the basis of the film is about a guy called Shaun. Um, and his roommate, well, housemate Ed, yeah. who are best friends. Um, basically, the, a zombie apocalypse comes quite quick into it. Um, he is trying to get to his ex girlfriend's house to get her during the apocalypse and get to his mum's house to get his mum and then find somewhere safe that they can sort of stay away from this till it sort of, as they yeah. say, all blows over. Um, is the basis of the film. Uh, we're not going to go massively into detail about the plot and stuff, um, yeah. unless we really talk about stuff. No, unless we're talking about individual moments, it's not worth going over uh, the movie from start to finish because, again, like this movie's been talked to death by everybody, yeah. and sort of having watched it again, it's it was actually quite difficult to think about things to talk about other than just like what it does well. Yeah, and, that's um, what I kind of I kind of took 
took notes mostly just on like the things that work really well throughout the film. Yeah. Um, as we were saying, kind of when we rewatched this, um, obviously Edgar Wright has came out and done like a fair few films by now, by yeah. twenty twenty. Um, we were supposed to have one this year. Was he? Mm-hmm. Huh. But it's, I think it's been pushed. But I don't know what I don't know if there's been a statement of it. But he has basically finished it. I think he's still in the editing yeah. process right now. But this was one of his first. This was the first feature film, yeah. Because um, he hadn't obviously he had just finished Spaced yeah. um, a couple of Which years we before. Will, yeah, we will discuss that. Yeah, it's sort of going to be unavoidable yeah. talking about Spaced. Um, but one thing that Edgar Wright does amazingly in his films is his choice of soundtracks yeah. um, and how music's sort of used in films. I mean, Shaun of the Dead, straight from the get-go, it opens with Ghost Town by... Is this the, the specials? I don't like Ska. <laughs> I'm sure. I know, I know the song. Couldn't yeah, I'm sure it's the specials, uh, but um, which works really well um, to sort of set up the film. Um, the elements of music used throughout uh, the sort of main. Th- there's a there is a theme, like a little musical theme that's in, in elements of it. I don't know. I mean, I couldn't really tell you much about this sort of or- orchestrated music because I didn't really pick up on it. Like it was um, there. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like main scenes where it's in. I don't really. I'm not to my knowledge. I don't think there's anything that sticks out as being like a main theme of it. Oh, see, like I th- I'm sure there is. Like a jingle, or I can't pick anything. No, I can't um, remember any of the orchestrated music. Do you know that's gonna bug me? I. Uh... Are you thinking about like the right? Because I was going to bring it up anyway. But you're talking about the main theme that plays over the opening credits. Do 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 do. No, 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 no. Because that's a song, right? Yeah, no, yeah. I know that's a song. No, it's right. like the elements when, um, like, when he gets up in the morning and out of bed, there's like a background sort of. I just, I only just remember that as like sound. It's like atmospheric, spooky sound. Because it's the sort of he always oh, a zombie fake out. Like it's not. I don't remember it being a theme. It just sounds like. Yeah, they call like score theme, but it's um the theme from the original Dawn of the Dead that they use throughout the film. We paused this just to go and find it. Was it worth <laughs> it? it? Was gonna, yes, it was worth it. Okay. Um, I thought it was obviously the original score, but I've not seen the original Dawn of the Dead, but that's interesting as well that that's used throughout this film. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's loads of references to music. Um, there is references to White Lines by... Do you remember who White Lines is by? No. Anyway, uh, White Lines, there's... What other musical references are I mean, I don't know. Also, because Edgar Wright has, at times, like the most accessible, but also the most like hipster, in-depth taste of music of all time. Like you can kind of see that in all these movies, anyway. Apart from like Queen, um, I couldn't really tell you anything else that's in it. He's got a very well. You, I mean, he's got a very eclectic taste in music. Like even just look at the Baby Driver soundtrack, and it's everything from <clears throat> Run the Jewels and Big Boy to Beck. I mean, the guy likes Beck. Mm. Beck is all in all of these films anyways and Scott Pilgrim he recently directed a music video just for Beck like last year yeah um, like it's very it's a very mixed and broad sense of music and stuff I don't I, in Shaun of the Dead I can't remember any other examples outside of Queen yeah I mean the the Queen one alone um, is as we say, I was saying as well during it the scene that Don't Stop Me Now is in is used so well because yeah. like sort of the fight is within time of the song yeah um little elements like that and like the at the end of the film when they have best friend by queen as well yeah it's like it, every song sort of is in there for a reason which yeah i think is really good 
Um, White Lines, Grandmaster Flash. Sorry, that was it would have bugged me. Um, also, Chicago, if you leave me now, isn't it? Um, the Smiths, isn't it? Oh, Goblin. Yeah. Z- zombie by Goblin. Because that's the Dawn of the Dead theme. Okay. There you go. Fun yeah. fact. I've not seen. <laughs> I've not seen Dawn of the Dead. Fun fact: Dawn of the Dead in Italy is called Zombie. Oh. Yeah. But there's also an entire franchise of movies called Zombie in Italy that are completely different than Dawn of the Dead. But Zombie theme is like the theme song for what they call Zombie 2, which is Our Dawn of the Dead. It's very confusing. Ah. Um, but yeah, so there you go. That's interesting. Yeah. Panic Street Preachers. Um, most songs that actually have the word zombie in it or something to do with the the film. So like L7, um, Pretend We're Dead and it. And obviously go to town and blah blah blah, blah. but um, yeah the music within this is really well done I mean as I said Greg does that in most of his films yeah and he has directed music videos for years yeah uh, obviously that was worth mentioning um, the way that it's shot is very well done which is the same with all of his movies sort yeah. of the elements of straight from the get go the, the way that conversations are had yeah um, especially with the Lord, if you've got more than a couple of people in a scene, yeah, they sort of do it really well to sort of jump between people in shots, yeah, to sort of make finish a conversation rather than it just being one person talking and then going over to another person to finish the conversation. It sort of jumps between everyone to fill in the gaps of that conversation, yeah. I mean, Edgar has been doing that for years anyway, like yeah. you know, the now defunct um channel that got everybody into. <laughs> film analysis was at Every Frame of Painting um, who'd done a great video on it and he explained all the kind of uh, ideas and sort of styles that he uses to just make mundane things seem a lot more interesting like you mm-hmm. know um, like you know if you're having a normal conversation in any other movie it's like a shot and a reverse shot yeah, but he's not yeah. happy just doing that like the camera will swing or it will have like a whooshing sound effect as the camera yeah. you know so there's always something that's always sort of keeping you engaged um hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's one of the big things. Yeah. You're never left sort of bored. Yeah, and like that, even those things they make the jokes as well. Like the jokes mm-hmm. aren't really just in the writing. Like, um, I think like we're not really going to talk about the sort of whole film from start to finish. But what's really worth pointing out is um just the introduction itself, where like it's a a simple sort of reverse uh, re- shot reverse shot conversation between Sean and Liz mm-hmm. as you know they're sort of having a, a relationship issue, um and. Uh, Liz brings up um, her friends and how Sean doesn't like them and then on the next sort of reverse shot the camera is actually now zoomed out to show that her two friends are sitting right next to her and it's like it's it's funny like it's mm-hmm. just it's you know it's organic because it be- that becomes part of the gag itself yeah um, another thing that I really like it actually um, it's weird that normally when we do our sort of podcast episodes we will have watched them and then the day after we usually record the episodes yeah. but we took a day off yesterday and uh, we watched Scott Pilgrim which obviously came he hadn't finished the Cornetto trilogy by that point but I think after Scott Pilgrim was when The World's End came out and um, Scott Pilgrim has a very similar gag as well but you see this all the time where um, the frame's quite close quite locked down sort of like medium shot and a phone will just appear from outside of the frame like someone's just holding a phone and it's just little things like that it's just it's just interesting and it's also funny yeah. um, also like a funny way of either entering or leaving the shot like you know um, 
world's end everybody jumps out a window everybody jumps out windows yeah. in the world's end stuff like that you know it's just like if there's an interesting way to get from scene to scene or a moment to moment he's found a way to yeah. do it um and again as you sort of said with like music like everything is timed to music like yeah. you know baby driver is a great example of that but even in Shaun of the dead with the queen song and the pool cue setting off the guy's back is in tune in tune to the song um even the intro i don't know if you got the name of that song that plays in the intro the one that I hummed terribly earlier, um, but obviously, like even in that, like you know, there's when the title oh, card comes up, yeah, and there's like a bunch of chavs walking down the street, and their heads are bopping to the tune mm-hmm. of the song, like little things like that that really just sort of help you get into the rhythm of it as well. Yeah. And with the intro as well, it's a great, like, oh, it's gonna be, it's gonna talk about this. This is probably the bulk of what's probably worth talking about is that, like, the intro sets up the movie perfectly. Like, it's, bit, yeah, yeah. It's, it sets everything up within yeah, like five minutes. Yeah, it sets you know up who Sean and Liz are, it sets up who Ed is and why Ed is kind of like the wedge of the story, mm-hmm. um, or at least the wedge between sort of Liz and Sean anyway. Yeah. And then you get the to meet the supporting characters as well. You get a little bit of information about like Sean's relationship with his mother and his not dad Phil. And that's all delivered like straight in the intro. So the entire movie's set up within like yeah. five minutes. It's also set up um what the Winchester is, yeah. which is obviously the main basis as well. That's set up straight away. Um, and the return back to that building sort of sets everything up. Yeah. The the conversation part is what you, what you were saying with like it going from one like bringing a shot out to see that there's more pe- people in it. Another good way that he sort of keeps conversation moving is by someone else finishing off the end of a sentence yeah. with a word. Um. So it's or sort of all blends into one, and it's not just one person talking. Yeah. Um. Which is done really well. Um. In this scene. Um, straight away from this point is where we sort of get the breakdown of the relationship with him and Liz and sort of the plan of like what to do during the zombie apocalypse which is kind of like even just the thought about like because I'm sure we mentioned this in like the zombie episode or maybe we just talked about it ourselves after we watched it but it's one of those things that like everyone's always thought about like if a zombie apocalypse happened, what, you do, what, yeah. you, what would you do yourself? My friends done it when we were teenagers. That was a favourite pastime. Yeah, yeah, it's just like one of those things. And oh, that's what it was. We were talking about whether we'd rather be in a city, like a city, yeah. or we'd rather be in a countryside. It was after watching uh, Twenty Eight Days, um, and this is sort of from a very like working class perspective of like, well, what would you do? Um, and like as much as it's a gag, it is kind of like makes sense to to go to a, a pub. Yeah. Um, obviously leaning from like Dawn of the Dead um, or things like Night of the Living Dead where you find a house and you sort of set up an environment in the Dawn of the Dead remake, it's a shopping mall um, just wherever you would sort of feel safest um, and I think that's just sort of an, inse- an interesting concept Yeah. Um, even just the how to get to the, the pub or the yeah. area that you're trying to get to well I think you like you know, the, the whole thing about Shaun of the Dead is that um, Ed is essentially like the sort of bad guy of the movie not like inherently but you know he is like the unintentionally he's, yeah he's guy. not like yeah. the antagonist or anything but he is like more so than the zombies he's like the negative driving force of like the actual sort of like plot of the movie so is David for friends kind of yeah know? yeah um, but I mean kind of more like in terms of like theming and stuff because yes. obviously the whole movie is about how Sean's not growing past a certain stage of his life like he's yeah still sort of clinging on to Ed and he's kind of defending like his like really sort of boorish behaviour and stuff yeah. like that as well and people around him say like Sean why the fuck are you not like moving past this like you're yeah. too old for this like yeah. you know um, but it's actually it's funny that it's Ed's suggestion and then when 
later on, but it's his suggestion to hide in the Winchester. Yeah. But then later on, when they sort of tell Liz and stuff that that's where they're going, they actually say, why there? Mm-hmm. And it's actually Ed that answers because Sean doesn't actually know why either. He doesn't know why yeah. he agreed to it. He just kind of went because Ed said it. And, mm-hmm. you know, they sort of try and get there with the point to say, oh, there's a gun above the bar or, you know, there's big heavy, heavy locks doors, and bolts yeah. and stuff. Um, but it was like the fact that it, that didn't come up when it was initially suggested, like, why would we go there? Why is it that, why is that the best place to go? It's like, no, we just go there because it's just what I like to do. You know, yeah. I'm Ed. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, like, that's a the funny thing. Like, it's not really the thing I think you pick up on much when you're a kid when I seen this I was young um, so I never really remember that part of it I just remember it kind of being funny and having zombies in it yeah. um, but the actual like theme of like having like a sort of friend who's working against you but not in a deliberate way you know to sort of hold you back from you know growing into your own person kind yeah. of thing is, is a really good theme actually um, and I really like it um, I think it works absolute wonders for the story overall yeah. like, it's not just another sort of like it's a zombie movie with gags or anything it's it's actually got like a real sort of heart to it um, yeah I mean uh, the theme in general of like relationships yeah um, because another one obviously in it is Sean's relationship with his stepdad and his yeah. mum which I think is a really nice theme because um, the emotional bits in this film like in this film are, yeah, they are work, yeah. emotional but I think that sort of set up really well about yeah Sean's sort of growth with relationships and as you say it's kind of stunted yeah um from a friendship point of view with ed um to accepting other people's friends like liz's friends yeah um having a serious adult relationship and sort of the relationships with his family as well yeah um like those themes are sort of really interesting i think it's got sort of a good message throughout it as well yeah um because i mean especially like the the growth of sean throughout at the start is just a pretty he doesn't really think for himself much and doesn't yeah. really isn't I wouldn't say he's, he's a bad guy but no, he's just he's not not, not a great person he's like, just not, not trying with an effort, yeah. um, and I mean like you know it's a steady growth as well like you can actually see like the signs of it kind of like sprinkle out throughout um, which sort of make the whole sort of like turn quite believable like even like I think the first bit that I kind of noticed, noticed was um, when Phil um, Sean's stepdad eventually um, dies um, and they're driving the, this like really cramped Jaguar with everybody trapped in it and Ed's like blaring music and stuff and Sean tells him to shut it off and he's like oh no it's fine like, everybody's alright and Sean's like you know goes absolutely mental he's like no shut up like everybody's not alright and he's like crying and that's kind of the first time that's at least the first time I've noticed anyway that he really sort of speaks out against Stands it up, and yeah. you can actually see like the reaction on Ed's face being like oh for fuck's sake like you know but like you know at least that there are those little moments sort of sprinkled throughout it that mm-hmm. show that it's not just like a, a sudden 180 turn at the end I, I realize now that i need to you know grow up or whatever it's actually that throughout he has these little moments Gradually, that, yeah, yeah. yeah and even like um a couple of times but like the two three times that we meet um i'm gonna say the name wrong please forgive me peter um peter serfanowitz yes yes um he's great not even just in this movie but everything else <laughs> um but like you know when they're sitting like pissed and djing at like four in the morning or whatever um and sean he says it multiple times but he says it in the same way as oh leave him alone he says it in the exact same like tone yeah. and the same delivery and stuff and then as the movie goes on he just stops saying it and actually like more actively sort of takes a an approach to telling you to shut the fuck up or yeah. you know, be normal even outside the winchester when they get there and 
Ed's a total mob like on the phone and Sean just like admonishes him in yeah. front of everybody until the last bit when he says it when she says it too yeah um, Dave, uh, I can't pronounce his name either Peter Serafanowicz Peter, Peter yep that's that uh, who I can't even remember his name in, uh, is it David is it David as well because David's um, oh no sorry about that wrong yeah friend. Um, Pete oh right there it's called Pete uh, yeah another um, good thing that sort of it's from the very very start of the film as well is everything that sort of happens is setting up for jokes yeah um, and elements later on like the, the the bit at the start when Sean's walking down the street to get a newspaper yeah um, he walks down the street and he walks past every person intentionally so that they can come up later yeah. in the film when sort of the or they don't come up later when they're not there <laughs> but you realise like um, the guy that was washing his car yeah. um, the bucket's like knocked over the um, kid playing football the kid playing football the homeless man with his dog his dog dog, dog get introduced to his for a reason yeah which I think is like really interesting. It's the same if if it's showing you like a setup for something. Yeah. It's usually for a reason. Like going into the pub and there's the two people making out. Oh yeah. And then yeah, when yeah. you come out the pub and there's the two people making out, but then you realise that something's wrong because yeah. Obviously. And when we see them again shortly after, um, she actually like breaks his neck. Open yeah. While they're not looking. Um, and yeah, I know what the, you mean. He's always kind of done yeah. that. Like he always makes sure that there's never a single joke wasted. Yeah, no, which is really good. The the girl that works in the supermarket at the start oh no credits the yeah like just yeah like um i think that's just so well done um it also makes the jokes more like well thought out everything yeah. that's in it um even if it's just like a sort of the element of a scene it doesn't have to be like a certain joke like the setup of you've got red on you yeah which um like if you try and explain that to someone it's like people are like how is that funny but yeah. it's you know the just the way that the and it often works good. either like in twos or in threes. Yes. So like yes. you know, it's like um the like with the red on you thing. It's like um the little teenage kid who looks like forty, mm-hmm. um, that works for Sean in the hardware store says it, and then Phil says it in the same scene, and then when they finally kill the first zombies that are in the Ed garden, um Ed says it, but it actually has the joke now because it's not just a little bit of red ink. It's actually that he's covered yeah. in blood. Um, you know, there's loads of stuff like that, and I, I mean, he's always like Ed Wright's always done that with most of these movies. Mm-hmm. Um and it works so you know because it i don't know how you can be i know that this Shaun of the dead i don't know about the rest of them but i know Shaun of the dead was written by edgar wright and simon peck um Mm -hmm. and i don't know how clever you have to be in order to actually write a script where you are setting up these jokes and then actually remembering and put them in later Mm -hmm. or to sort of pay them off in a satisfying way um i don't know how you can be that funny like (laughs) I, i honestly just find it impossible like even because you know even with the you've got red on your joke like that sort of happens in the space of you know the first two ones were in like the space five minutes mm-hmm. and then the final part of the joke comes up like maybe 10 minutes later yeah whereas like maybe in like minute 20 or something is when the the setup is there with the the jukebox in the pub that plays the sad song after the breakup yeah. which i was actually just gonna say yeah. that is that is a really sort of funny sort of you yeah. know when there's Ed's trying to talk him up and then suddenly Chicago comes on yeah and, it's, um, and then later on when and it's on random because yeah. he's like who put this on and then Sean's like it's on random um, but then it actually pays off later on when it comes up again yeah, um, and again it's on random so it could be anything kind yeah. of thing. and it, it pays off like every every single thing is set up and every single thing is paid off like even um, the girl from Spaced who appears multiple times yeah. Um. As a as a with their character. friend group, that's exactly the exact yeah. same as their friend like, group. They turn up three times, but to actually sort of have it so that 
it's almost kind of like a perfect mirror like obviously it is meant to be the joke being that like when they run into the two groups of them they're just the same as each other but different people yeah. um but it's actually when they meet again at the end she's the only one sort of left alive out of yeah so it's kind of although sean and liz get away in the end you know it's kind of similar in that yeah. way um i mean some of like yeah the as you say that's like the i got red in you because there is some like great jokes in this there is yeah um the and it's even just a lot of it is just them genuinely talk like the bit where uh, Ed's at the window and he's like there's a girl in the garden and yeah. Sean's like what and he's like in the garden there's a girl yeah and it's just the way that like they say it it's yeah. like like really good and uh, what else do I say um run I just ran under a which <laughs> <laughs> we were like pissing ourselves because it's such a kind of like old person thing like yeah, you know it's... like you hurt yourself and they're like oh just brush it off you know run you're under fine, a cold tap. tap um you've got uh, the f- which I do love like all the sort of throwbacks to other movies um, and the most famous one is uh, We're Coming to Get You Barbara, Barbara yeah. uh, which I think's done so well like just to you just need like a tiny thing to sort of give you that yeah. element you were saying there's a 28 day reference yeah there's 20 days later reference at the end where um like after they're talking about remembering Z Day six months afterwards, mm-hmm. and um, there was like, well, we don't know where it came from, but like someone, um, the rumor that it was suggest it was um, released by rage infected monkeys turns out to be false, um, which oh, is funny okay. because there's also a twenty eight days later reference in Attack the Block as well. Um, oh, it's even weirder. That's true. <laughs> so yeah, I know it's uh, yeah really good. The kill the queen. Um, when they're talking about the jukebox and, oh, the yeah. chat, and he's like Kill Kelly and he's like what um, I'm trying to think of like and yeah. this, this is what I mean this is the difficulty about talking about Shaun of the Dead is that it's really easy to um, it's actually it's, it's easy to talk about things that you don't like because you can complain about the things that you don't like yeah. it's difficult to talk about the things that you actually like because you like it so much that you feel that there's not enough necessarily an awful yeah. lot to say and especially because Tron the Dead is so storied and so well known that it's actually kind of difficult to talk about mm-hmm. um, I actually kind of feel that it's maybe worth just sort of talking about where Shaun of the Dead is in the sort of grand scheme of other Edgar Wright movies so like yeah. I, I don't even know if this is a hot take I don't know but if I, if I was to put my two cents on it I would say Shaun of the Dead is my is not my favourite Cornetto trilogy movie but it is the best one as in it's the it's the best made it's the best written it's the funniest but hot fuzz is my favorite if, see, if that makes sense i know i like i see sean the dead is probably my favorite just because like i think it is so well done yeah um see well done i have i'm sure like that you know that i have a really really soft spot and i think that the world's end is an incredible film it is more so from the storyline hmm. um, around the main character, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's the most emotional in that sense because it is actually tackling a real serious serious issue. That film um, and sort of they all sort of have elements of like serious issues like throughout yeah. sort of like as I say relationships is a big one in Shaun of the Dead, um, but the World's End I think is the the most serious sort of issues to tackle sort of through humour. Um, and so I sort of have a real soft spot for it but I get what you mean it's, it is hard to sort of out of all because they are I just have a soft spot for they all they are all good well. movies like, like you know I, I, I'm still like I think The World's End is fine but mm-hmm. I still think it's the weakest one but I mean there was going to have to be one in there anyway mm-hmm. um, and it's like not even that it's bad it's, it's actually that like you know the, the fun thing about it for me is that like it almost kind of became like 
I was a bit worried with Hot Fuzz that it was going to become a case of repetition where it was like you know the characters are almost entirely the same in Hot Fuzz as they are in Shaun the Dead in mm-hmm. terms of Nick Frost and Simon Peck yep. so the world's end is quite refreshing in the way that like they kind of switch it around so like Sean yeah. is now Nick Frost and Simon Pegg is now yeah. sort of Ed if you know what I mean um, and that's a fun twist and also sort of having like more um, characters yeah. yeah and good they ones have too better, right? um, they sort of have more prominent roles as yeah. well um, whereas Hot Fuzz you do get there is a more of a reach of characters like there's more characters in Hot yeah. Fuzz um, as a whole but um, yeah relationship wise you actually get a lot more characters in the 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 leading yeah. elements in the, the world's end so it's not even to take a dump on the world's end it's just that pers- like my personal favourite is Hot Fuzz I think it's the I think it's funnier and I just like cop things mm-hmm. um, it has probably more for me anyway more quotable lines in it but Shaun of the Dead is the best made movie in the trilogy because it is so well written yeah um, there's not like a single frame or a single second line of dialogue or any joke wasted and it's just honestly like kind of a good theme and yeah. it has like a sort of good emotional chord like to it. A, yeah, no, I 100% agree. And I think for like talking about it in a way, it's hard to actually pick elements, especially for the filming of it um, and the dialogue and stuff yeah. that are badly done because it is so well written. Yeah, it's laser focused. Like, yeah, you know, um, it's so well done. I mean, obviously, I think like, as I say, we need to kind of speak about space as well because um, like, this is where yeah. Search on the Dead comes from. Um, I think like a lot of people know that by now that yeah. that is where the basis I mean there's the episode that sort of you can see the elements where Edgar Wright sort of had this idea yeah. for a zombie film in space um, you hadn't seen space until I'd seen some, well, you've of, seen it, some of it but I hadn't watched yeah. it all from start to finish until we went through it recently yeah. um, which another that's another very well written show like it spaces is, yeah. um, and you kind of get a lot of how Edgar Wright's head sort of works for writing things in, yeah. in space, um, especially with having episodes that are kind of like different films. So you've got like a, like an action episode with yeah. like paintballing and stuff, um, and I think that's really interesting. And also character-wise from space, obviously you've got um, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, uh, the woman I cannot for the life of me remember her name no I can't remember her um, name either other British actress um, she's really good uh, who's the lead girl in space and obviously you have the guy that plays Pete in Shaun the Dead oh yeah he's a minor character a couple yes. of times yeah he's great he's the bad guy in space yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah when he pops up he is yeah and there's Brian my favourite yes of course um, but yeah so I think like like space was a good example of taking an element of sort of the TV show that it was yeah and then coming and writing a full a full film yeah um, and how well it was made um to do with that but also talking about that is sort of where we come so Shaun of the Dead was 2004 yeah um, and Attack the Block was 2011 so yeah. that's what seven years difference yeah yeah so that's um sort of where you come now I mean we were sort of because we would watch Shaun the Dead recently and I've seen it so much yeah but I was sort of you, you kind of look for elements for if things don't really age well like yeah. jokes don't well, we were saying that there's obviously um, one element in Shaun the Dead that's a bit like but it's written sort of it's also a product of its time as well yes like, and especially like it's a bit weird that um, like you know obviously the, more, the joke in question in particular is like you know um, why do you want to save Liz because I love her. All right. 
I'm not going to say yeah. it. But obviously, up here um, in Scotland, that is like, and probably just in, in terms of sort of Britain overall, like that sort of the the use of that word in that sort of context is just kind of like, you know, another way of just saying kind of lame. It's not really a dig at um, homosexuality as such, but obviously I can imagine why a lot of people would sort of consider it to be that way. Yeah. Maybe American audiences definitely would probably consider that to be sort of like, uh, you know. Yeah, it was a um, product of its sort of time yeah. for when it came out. It's about about that's it apart from that like everything sort of is aged joke wise it's yeah. not like people will be like oh well what are they talking about yeah. you know um, um, and also the th- one thing that ages um, things much faster than intended is like pop culture references and stuff mm-hmm. um, but considering like the sort of pop culture references are in, that are in it are already kind of aged because By they're the kind time, of things yeah. that like they're only Edgar Wright liked yeah, when they were like, young um, when they're going through the record collection yeah. and they're sort of like the, like the Batman soundtrack. But even I understand that because the Batman soundtrack is bad. Yeah, uh, no, <laughs> like things like that, it's like um, they're, they're not things of the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, the only things of the time is sort of like the dress. But it is, isn't even like a massive thing. No. So it's not like it is going to age sort of the same way. Um, and the setup, because it's such a well done film. Yeah. It doesn't age in the sense of that either. No, not really. Um, but... I, I would definitely think for like by the time you get to attack the block that is sort of kind of up to date like yes yeah. you know it's not um that kind of is a product of the time not that like the elements like we will go into the elements attack the block aren't gonna date because it's you know yeah. like a lot of the stuff but it is very kind of of its time yeah. as well um like you wouldn't get a film like attack the block say like 10 years prior yeah um, or at least it would be a little bit different. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I mean, as you were saying, it was sort of during the resurgence of like the zombie era. Yeah. Uh, you had a, a, after twenty eight days uh, was when you got sort of Shaun of the Dead, um, and like there was a lot of as you say like B sort of British humor yeah. movies and stuff. Um, you kind of got I, I'm trying I wonder what year it was that you got like Severance. That would have been only a couple of years after. That's what I thought. Yeah. With like Danny Dyer and stuff, um, which obviously is another sort of horror comedy. Yeah. One of my I quite like Severance, um, and then you sort of got this time where you had a lot of London-based, um, not necessarily comedies. I'm not saying comedy movies, but London-based sort of working class, um, especially for like a young generation of. Um, how gangs were a, a thing in London for um, lower class and working class elements yeah. and then obviously we get attacked the block in 2011 so who directed it? Was it? Joe, Cor- Joe Cornish and that was his debut it was yeah um, he'd worked with Edgar Wright already a few times um, mm-hmm. I think he was involved in the Cornell trilogy to some extent and stuff as well but in the same year um, him and Edgar Wright and uh, Stephen Moffat wrote um, the Tintin movie for Steven yes. Spielberg. Um, the only reason I actually kind of want to point this out, um, we will actually talk about Attack Block soon, I promise. <laughs> so um, oh, that was I was just slowly. I know. You know um, is the like the funny thing about sort of like Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish in terms of like their sort of approach to storytelling and stuff is that um, Edgar Wright has like a style. Um, and it's uniquely his like uh, 
yeah you can look at a movie and kind of be yeah. like oh that's um... um even just the way like you know that it looks or the way that it sounds or the way that it goes from like one scene to another like you know it's not surprising that despite the success of Shaun of the Dead that there wasn't people who were trying to people were trying to copy the the story of Shaun of the Dead but they weren't trying to copy the style of Shaun of the Dead yes, or any of the Cornetto trilogy yeah, yeah. like nobody could really replicate what Edgar Wright does just by himself like mm-hmm. even when you see like you know when we watched Scott Pilgrim you've never seen Scott Pilgrim before and yeah that's very unique yeah even for um, going and sort of making a bigger budget movie for the same studio that done all the Cornetto movies but also um um, um, but also being uh, more western being American and stuff mm-hmm. um, that doesn't change but sort of what's sort of Joe Cornish's thing and you know he's made two movies at this point and it's funny that he wrote for Spielberg um, because the only thing I can reasonably say it's a li- in there in Attack the Block quite a bit I'd say but it's more apparent in his follow up which was um, The Kid Who Would Be King from last year but he has taken that sort of Spielberg influence a lot more I'd say there's a lot more yeah. Spielbergian approach to stuff in his movies more yeah, so especially than sort of like the kid that, yeah, yeah, the kid, yeah you can yeah definitely see that by the time that that comes out yeah um, and so Attack the Block is one of those things and the reason that I kind of wanted to do this episode and we're trying to think of an episode to, but we're trying to think of a film that would go alongside uh, Shaun of the Dead mm-hmm. and I suggested Attack the Block um, because I really liked it it was one of my comfort movies when I was a lot younger uh, I used to absolutely wear out the DVD of it I watched all the special features of it and it was one of those things and I said this when we sort of previewed the episode last week on our last episode was um, that it's really frustrating that everybody's seen Shaun of the Dead but nobody had really seen Attack the Block and it's one of those things that like you suggest to people and they're like nah and it's yeah. like no I promise you'll have a great time when you watch it also it's like, kind of like um, you don't know straight away say if you were to look at the cover you don't know straight away kind of what you're going into yeah yeah because um, I remember that the first time I watched it I was like oh okay it's kind of about these outer space sort of aliens alien things that big are black gorilla them. wolf motherfuckers yep. as they aptly call them um, <clears throat> but yeah um, Edgar Wright I think produced this for them as well Yeah. Um, so like most of the original team from those movies and stuff are back um, but you know just different approach different environment different characters different um setting so we're no longer zombies anymore it's now a sci-fi alien horror of some kind um it follows a small gang of kids um who actually get foreshadowed quite early on we mm-hmm. they won't even meet them straight away we meet um jodie whittaker of all yep. people is her uh, we'll get into her later but we meet her sort of getting off the tube and she's walking back home and she gets um mugged by a group of youths um, mm-hmm. who's led by um, a John. guy called Moses yep. played by John Boyega who is actually funny enough his debut I didn't think it was I thought he must have been in other things beforehand but what a great debut I know what a crazy well. like you like, know it's, it's mad to think that only a couple years later he'd be in Star yeah. Wars and then disowning Star Wars after it finishes <laughs> good for him anyway um, yeah. and then we sort of meet our gang the way we meet them actually is when sort of Jodie Whittaker is walking along we actually see a graffiti tag on a wall that has all their names on it Mm-hmm. so we kind of already know who we're going to meet eventually um, and they're sort of set up from the, well they're set up at this bit to sort of be like bad yeah I think um, you know even not necessarily bad but like kind of like youth wayward wayward kids you know yeah. like um, like you 
you understand we are relatively early on that like Moses is kind of like the de facto leader like he he certainly looks the oldest um mm. and he looks like he's the one in charge and you kind of get a bit of a sort of taste of who the other ones are so I can't really remember any of their names to be honest um so I'm just gonna sort of skip out saying them um but you know they're they're not super in-depth but they're just enough that you get to sort of know yeah, them yeah you kind of get to know what each character how they are yeah um like you've got the kid that sort of is always like his mum's like come home at this time and he's like of yeah. course mum like that's mom. that's quite funny because obviously as we sort of later on when they get back to well so after they um, mug Jodie Whittaker um, a comet or a meteor falls from the sky and crashes in this car um, and there's a weird creature inside which the kids eventually chase down and kill um, they decide that the best thing to do is to take it back to their tower block to show it to their drug dealer <laughs> because he knows about all that stuff he watches Nat Geo a lot apparently um, but just I, kind of as well I think that's where like Moses's character is kind of wanting to get more involved with, involved yeah. with this person so, to sort of come up the, the line yeah. um, get himself like in a better position yeah. Um, so yeah as well that's another yeah. reason for getting it I mean the having it set in a, like, a, Lon- a South London terror block as well um, Shaun of the Dead's like obviously quite working class and then so is this but this is a bit more gritty sort yeah. of working class slash lower class um, so it's Saints Corner it's funny because it's 2011 and obviously like a few years back we've had Grenfell Tower yeah. um, which is bringing up the sort of the commentary of like how in in Britain more so I'd say in England yeah. um, Scotland sort of has tried better with like lower class and working class to help people in need um, and not just sort of discard them yeah um, I mean famously near in Edinburgh there there used to be a famous sort of tower block near it's where you're, near your sister oh yeah of course yeah um, near the inch um, that is actually in Chainspotting um, which just used to be a tower block that was with lower class yeah. people that needed they've sort of I think they've got rid of a lot of it now and yeah. they are trying to help there's people. a lot of new builds and stuff yes. nearby so they're like gentrifying the area yeah, and they're stuff. Trying to, yeah. whereas London it's still a massive issue um, there's a big divide between obviously lower and working class and obviously the upper class um, which is a massive commentary in this but yeah it's 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 obviously ha- after Grenfell Tower yeah. having um, well, you know like the, the social commentary and stuff in like Attack Block is there it is mad as you're sort of saying like almost how like prophetic it would be um, yeah, kind coming. of like years later yeah. that obviously like Grenfell would happen and then Tory government would come and you know um, drip us dry from austerity and stuff as well but I think that's um like probably the biggest strength of Attack the Block is that that is the theme like the main theme of the movie is essentially that um these kids like who all kind of seem rough and tumble and kind of horrible at the start um as they like early on when they arrive back at their tower block and then realize that there's more meteors coming down they realize that there's more of these aliens coming down so they're like let's go out and kill them mm-hmm. so you see each of them go to their individual flats and see their parents or whatever see their living situation very very briefly but it's just enough to sort of flesh it out so like the little sort of loudmouth kid with like the woolly cap on who's mm-hmm. like probably the most annoying one uh, or at least I don't I don't find him personally annoying but obviously that I know that like, you know, he's, he's the yeah, annoying yeah. one he's the loud obnoxious one um, he just lives with his gran like yeah. who's completely clueless or as you said there's the other one who's like clearly a bit more well off out of the rest of them and has like clearly protective sort of maybe over two overbearing parents who are like mm-hmm. come back by 10 where are you going like you know you've got you've got food have you had dinner yet you know that kind of thing um, 
or like the one uh, the one dad who's like well if you're going out take the fucking dog with you and like stuff yeah. like, so that, like, you get a little bit of a taste of who they are but the theme is that um you know it's not even really so much a theme so as, as like a fact of reality is yeah. that these like you know kids in these sort of environments and stuff there's no um there's no outlets yeah. like you realize you wonder why this is how people yeah. get into that sort of you wonder um, why like knife crime is such a problem in london and stuff and they're not necessarily expressly saying that but what they're saying essentially is that what do these kids have? have there's no youth clubs there's no outlets there's no sports teams there's no, no there's no support and no. that's actually not even far from the truth like it pretty much is just really no, a true life story true. like um, it's, it's such a like this is in these environments not having help and not not having even just things around to sort of as you say it's for yeah. kids to do that they're literally going out after aliens in this film yeah. because it's it's something new it's it's something that we can do and even um you know as you were sort of saying later um later on when they turn up to the drug dealer's house and they show the alien off um Moses sort of asks to meet this guy called hi-hat who sort of turns out to be the sort of main well he's not but he is a villain but he is kind of the embodiment of like the sort of theme of like these kids don't have anywhere to go so where else are we going to put them other than to a system that is yeah. essentially just crime um, but the people that they look up to as well yeah exactly they're because they've they made became. it they're, yeah, they're at the top of the block, the penthouse yeah. of the block, as they say. And you know, they've they've got money. They've they've essentially just kind of like these kids have. They've come from nothing, and by doing crime, they've yeah. they've trying gained money and yeah, Trying to get out of yeah, exactly. And so Moses wants that, and then Hi Hat does offer him um, the opportunity to run drugs for him. And you know, when he sort of leaves the room and stuff, like he's smiling, and all the other kids comment on the fact that like he's got a job. And the fact that one of them actually says, "Oh my God, you've got a job." And it's like that's like actually kind of depressing to be like, well, you know, because these they don't have any other opportunities. They don't have any sort of no. programs to. Especially because they're so young as well. Like the the thought of like getting into this so early. Yeah. Um, it's obviously a big thing as well. Um, which you do get a lot of with crime and stuff. And anywhere around the world, in any environments where children, like children and teenagers, don't have things around, it's the younger they're getting into bad situations um even just like in other countries that don't have the sort of elements to help kids yeah i mean this is where you've got like young girls being sold as young brides because yeah. they don't have any other way of getting out of exactly. the environment that they're in this is the only thing that they sort of have yeah like yeah all these sort of things and it's also as well like from the start obviously that you do have them mug someone but it's the sort of later on when she sort of sees them again she freaks out and it's, yeah. it's sort of saying like that assuming that they're these bad kids and they sort of make yeah. the they do say that obviously yes we've done this um but this is us now like yeah. you're meeting us as people yeah this isn't just who we are yeah and we also just don't have anything else to do yes like, you which know. also is brought up at the end when um, Moses gets arrested and yeah. the kids get arrested and she's saying no they like these are the people that have that have helped yeah. me um you shouldn't he be said, she says that they're my neighbors yes um, which is like just a really good line um it could have also maybe like and i think this is probably like the strength of sort of Joe Cornish's like writing and directing this movie is that like it's quite a heavy theme to tackle um yes. especially when it's just a sci-fi comedy movie about a bunch of kids fighting off mm-hmm. aliens in a tower block in london but uh, it's he, still yeah yeah but he doesn't hit it too hard like he doesn't no. hit it hit you over the head with it and mm-hmm. also that it could have quite easily become like almost a bit of a white savior thing like with jodie whittaker at the end where she could have just said 
something being like no believe me they helped me let them go and then the police would be like well we have to believe you kind of thing because yeah. you, you're a nurse and you're you know work you've got a job and whatever and you're white um but they didn't she actually just sort of expressed them in a good way where it's like no we're actually we're neighbors like you know yeah. um and it works out really well and i think that like any kind of it could have been too heavy-handed it could have been too much and it could have sort of diluted the theme a bit more but like what is there services the film perfectly yeah. like it's not too much because otherwise it could have become a bit too preachy or a bit too on the yes, nose it is, but it's, it, does it has it to remember what yeah. it is it's yeah. a fucking sci-fi comedy movie about aliens yeah but it's, um, it's nice to have like a as you say a sci-fi comedy about aliens yeah. but also it, it does have a really important um underlying commentary it does, yeah. to it um also i need to say like joe cornish works and writes children very well he does his, yeah um, especially like you have as you say the kid that would be king which features children as well obviously completely different children um in both films but just his writing and working with them as well yeah um they're really well and uh, like as we we're saying john boyega's sort of first film that he was in yeah. he's great in that yeah like, they're, they're all, all, all the, the dialogue's kids in quite it. believable i think especially like you know i mean i don't really know we're from scotland and stuff but like i feel like any kind of like older white guy could write like dialogue for a bunch of like east end street kids mm -hmm. um and just be so completely tone deaf to yes. like the sort of it's, you know the yeah, language no, and 100%, the... i think i mean you've got loads of films that sort of about younger people or people in different environments that they're not used to and yeah. writing it can be hard i mean because even I mean, we had things like train spotting in Scotland. Yeah. But um, Irvin Welsh obviously has said that he was around. You know, yeah. people that were doing, if not doing stuff himself. Mm. Uh, like he sort of knows the environment that he's writing about. Yeah. Um. Whereas obviously with this, it's a a director that is not from this environment, and yeah, does write it. I think he, I mean he's from London, but I don't no, like no, he's yes, not yes. like that upbringing or you know, anything. You know, yeah. And I feel like that it could have very easily like the writing and the dialogue for the kids, or even just like any of the sort of gangs in general, could have sort of fallen into almost like parody levels of kind of silly. Yes. Um. I mean the other thing as well is it's from two thousand eleven. We're in twenty twenty now, and the the whole idea of like you know sort of colloquial language that sort of comes about from like you know you know. Uh, sort of urban environments and stuff like that even like in America and stuff as well with like rap and stuff like that as well like the dialects and the language change mm -hmm. um, and I think that it's future proofed itself in such a way that it doesn't feel like it's incredibly old if you know what I mean yes. uh, it's kind of hard for me to say because obviously like I don't know like the sort of language or anything of the colloquialisms and stuff so yeah, I'm a bit not, lost on it it's not massively like it's not a huge thing in yeah. it so and it hasn't aged itself particularly well I mean it hasn't aged itself poorly um, you know, I think like maybe one thing that's probably aged itself a bit poorly is like the I want to go home, lock my doors, play FIFA or something, <laughs> or even like you know uh, my favorite line in the movie where um there's uh we haven't even mentioned the uh, sort of two younger 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 I was actually characters. just thinking yeah. about that because I was like um an another good element of it is um when the group of the two the kids. kids see the two kids and they think one of them's got a gun and shit with they're like what the hell are you doing? Like, get back home, like, yeah. go and see your parents. Like, you and know. it's just a it's just a bang gun. Um, but it's when they're sort of like telling them that they have to go back home and stay safe in the block and stuff. And John Vega says, um, Go home, lock your doors, your windows, do your homework, and watch Naruto. Um, which is probably like the only thing that's aged the poorest because obviously Naruto isn't on TV anymore. <laughs> and a lot of kids now would be like, What the fuck is a Naruto? Um, but by the way, in 2011, Naruto was huge. Um, yeah. 
in case you didn't know but like yeah uh, otherwise like it's future proofed itself really well um i don't think it's aged poorly at all um and the cast of characters are really strong overall i think the weakest links in the chain are maybe just kind of like the supporting characters like jodie whittaker she's good and she's good to have around and she does add adds a nice bit of extra depth then there's also the the uni ya student type Oh, God, um, who yes. buys weed from Nick Frost? Nick yeah, Frost I do is like. I, I sort of love that character because even like now in twenty twenty eight, everyone sort of knows. Oh yeah, that yeah, posh yeah. Kid but that... it makes me cringe. Um, it does make me cringe. But then I don't know if it's maybe like the the purpose of him being there is kind of like a, again, it's not super strong. But I don't know if they're maybe kind of adding that kind of theme of like gentrification to. Like, oh no, one hundred percent. I think that, that is. I think, and I think as well, like sort of posh kids that have um parents with lots of money trust fund kids you know? yes that just uh, are like oh no like i'm friends with these like this group of like people like this is where i get my drugs and yeah. like yeah i just like everyone sort of yeah knows i feel like, like if that. he's maybe there for a reason it's maybe to kind of be like you know these people do kind of like they do exist they will come into sort of areas like this and essentially gentrify them by just sort of existing in those spaces mm-hmm. by like you know, it even has like there's a sort of weird moment where him and Nick Frost, who's the drug dealer, are kind of like sitting having like a high chat or whatever, and he's like, "Oh, I can't get busted again." And Nick Frost is like, "Oh, so you've been busted before?" And he's like, "Yeah, I put a bag of weed in the washing machine. It was in my jeans by accident, and my parents nearly caught me." And it's like, "Oh, jeez," like you yeah. know. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit on the sort of, and even the fact that he only exclusively seems to listen to like generic stoner music that we all really mm. liked when we were 13 when we thought we were super hardcore like yeah. uh, Cypress Hill and stuff yeah. um, but you know it's not enough to detract from the movie overall um, yeah I think it's sort of like a satire <clears throat> writing as yeah well, absolutely like. um, but yeah there's characters that obviously aren't even even Nick Frost's character isn't like a massive no he's there and he's there serves and his purpose yeah. like I feel like that um, sort of after the success of Shaun the Dead and stuff like I think you kind of seen a lot of movies that came out and would kind of try and have like they would try and replicate the success or the chemistry of like Nick Frost and Simon Pegg Mm -hmm. Um, even just if they had one of them in there they would try and milk some of that in there Um, a good example I can really think of is like the movie Paul where like with with both of them in it and I don't really think they understood why they work well together they were just kind of like almost playing the same exaggerated versions of Ed and Sean Um, but Nick Frost and um, Attack the Block he's there he's unobtrusive and that's fine like he has a couple of minor jokes in it and he's all right um i think the only one thing i kind of want to sort of focus on briefly as well is that you know with shot the dead we didn't really have to talk about any of the horror stuff because zombies are zombies but attack block does have very unique very charming creatures um they don't even have a name but we'll just call them the aliens i guess um because they do come from sort of outer space yeah um when i first seen this movie i used to think that it was a really lame design and it was quite cheap um over the years i really started to appreciate it more and i hadn't seen it for a really long time until we watched it for this episode and i don't know what i was ever thinking to think that the aliens are bad they're fantastic i love them like no i get that i do think obviously like being younger seeing it yeah i can completely yeah. see why like you'd be like oh that's like a not great design but it, it is an absolutely great, great design it, it's simple and i effective. think it's just because it's not over the top like you know as a teenager like oh it's not like yeah. enough like and when you, you think know, alien like... you don't really think fur yeah um and especially like you know the reason why i like alien so much for example is that when i was a kid and i first seen alien um i was really like thrilled and terrified of the fact that like an alien isn't just like 
this intelligent creature that's like on a spaceship that can speak a weird language or speak your language whatever yeah. is that like an alien can actually just be like a predator like an animal if you know what I mean yeah like um, it's not that's like scary. A, not like a god what I think of famous like it's not like signs yeah, yeah, they yeah. don't. It's, it doesn't have to be this thing that kind of looks like a human. Yeah, but isn't a human? But it walks on, you know, like two feet. It has yeah. arms. Not, it has a face. Yeah, and it's not intelligent enough that it's like got its yeah. own society. It c- it's it literally could, an animal. It could be, yeah, yeah. Which I think's good in this. Yeah, uh, there's no, there's no way of talking to it. There's no way of sort of, you know, getting it on your side. Yeah. It's just what is, as you say. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a predator. And it's, it's only a, got like its base instincts, like you know. Which um, is obviously big in this because it's to do with like a female coming to the planet and yeah. males coming to sort of breed. Is that? Yeah, and then. So it's following the female. Yeah, and because they killed the female at the start, like it's chasing them because it can. D- they can detect the pheromones of yes. the female one yes. on Moses and that's particular. why they're going for these kids. Um. I love the design. I love it so much. Yeah, um, there was that bit where you were like getting so excited when it's the bit that's like, oh my god, it's eyes, and then it's, yeah, oh, it's, it's great though. It's like you know, that's it's not just. Eyes. Um, I think that's like you know, it's such a like, for people who haven't seen it. Um, if you if you don't listen to this and just go away and watch these things before you listen to them, then you know by all means please do. But for you, if you haven't seen it, then the aliens are essentially they look like just big, as the kids say, gorilla wolf motherfuckers. Like you know, so they kind of run like gorillas almost, but they just look like giant dogs. Um, and they have these um, neon blue teeth um, mm-hmm. that when their mouth is closed it kind of looks like little sharp eyes but obviously it turns out they're just these massive jaws that are just covered with like lines and lines and lines of teeth um, and also like the black is like obsidian black like black hole black like it's almost yeah, like a like negative a black and, like, um, the kids actually the beyond, yeah, yeah like the kids put their hands on it after they kill one and they're like well, that's like it. Like when you actually when they do kill it, and you actually kind of get like a good proper look at it. It is mad, like the weird sort of effect they've put over it to make it look like that it's that it's darker than black almost. Like it's a really weird yeah. kind of effect, but it works really really well. Especially it's like beyond be- beyond yeah. black. Like I don't know how what kind of shade you would call that, like or mm-hmm. what kind of special effects work you have to do to make it look like that. But it looks like they're little walking black holes. Like it's yeah. it's great, and even just like the little um, when the mouth opens and it kind of looks like a little spiral or something. So like you know, um, overall like the design's really simple, but it works on like so many levels. Yeah. Um, and what's practical that's there works really well. Like special the actual visual effects are kept on minimum. I think if I remember right, it's mostly practical. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only kind of digital stuff was like. You know, kind of adding like color to the teeth and like depthening the. I don't think depthening is a word, but adding depth to the black of the fur mm-hmm. and stuff like that as well. Um, it's really good stuff. Um, I absolutely adore it. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's like a it's a whole film set. Um, which is it's kind of the same. By the time you get to the Winchester, it's it's set around the Winchester and it's set in the Winchester. Yeah. Whereas this. Is most of the film is just in the block. Yeah, or sort of around in the general area, in or the, in or the, the block. Yeah. Um, which I appreciate. You know, I also which, look because Shaun of the Dead starts in the Winchester and ends in the Winchester, yes. which I like. Um, and you know, um, I also um, like movies that are set in one set place. in one area. Yeah, that's what I was I was gonna say. You've got um, a lot of film like the raids, um, which is set. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, like films that are just in an environment, like as I say, Dawn of the Dead, the remakes, at the shopping mall that's yeah. set apart from the engine. Um, yeah, it works really well because it gives you an environment that you're, that's it, you know where you yeah. are. Um, and by having it in sort of a block of flats allows you to be going to different, so they go to like the girls' yeah. um, house um, and meet different characters yeah. and, and on different levels and stuff. And also having like obviously the, 
the weeds the weed room and stuff up in the sort of pent the very top of the building yeah um, to show you sort of structure of how people are held um because of what they do yeah um, if that makes sense there's also um a great line in it to do with the the, the fact that they've killed this alien and they're they're being hunted down because of the pheromones um that sort of talks again about the commentary which they i can't remember if moses says it or they say it to moses but they say I that like actions have consequences yeah they say that to moses because they find out that um because moses killed the yes. the original alien the female one that they're coming after him yes um and they do seem yeah actions yeah, have consequences which i think's a, a great line and it's sort of also talking about the fact that if you get into sort of these bad sort of bad groups um when you're young yeah this is how you get sort of stuck into it it's because of yeah. the, the consequences that it brings from things that you do yeah i also think it is kind of aware of the fact as well that like um although actions do have consequences and stuff as well it's that the environment that sort of moses has been brought up in has only given him not the opportunity but more so they haven't given him any opportunities to do anything else other than t- bad actions to incur bad consequences yeah. Yeah, so, or... Um, I think the only other thing sort of we're talking about in terms of sort of like rounding out the theming stuff as well is obviously sort of um, Moses's um, not redemption at the end, but like his kind of... The realisation, like, you know, um, as we sort of... Moses essentially decides to not sacrifice himself, but sort of take the dive to sort of save the block and everybody yeah. else and stuff as well. Um, he gets Jodie Whittaker to go down to um, his flat to sort of turn everything on and stuff so that yeah. they can blow up the aliens um it's kind of him as well dealing with the consequences of his actions yeah. and sort of taking it on on himself to sort that out rather yeah. than um, rely on others of course and um, but also shows um the the most vulnerability that we've seen sort of moses have at this stage yes. we're obviously like you know he's um, kind of taking the role of the mm, the strong guy throughout the yeah. whole film and even when um when all the kids went around to their sort of individual flats early on we kind of got a taste for all of them we actually didn't get to see moses and um, we only kind of see him kind of like sneakily enter his without anybody entering with yeah. him and so when sort of jodie whittaker goes in she actually kind of gets to see like moses for who he is and it, it's a real sort of tragic sort of you know existence really like you know he sort of says that like he lives with his uncle but his uncle's just as he says just not around um, the the flat is in like a decrepit state like you know there's like food boxes and rubbish and just like general gunk all over the place and um, you know shortly before Judy Whitaker goes down um, I think it might be, be on the phone and they're talking through the whole process and stuff as well and um, Judy Whitaker notices like a kid's bed and um, with like spider-man covers and stuff on and she says oh do you have a little brother and he says no and that's that horrible like, it even makes my heart sink a little bit as well where it's like you know he's just so unlooked after that like he's been sleeping in a child-sized bed like you know mm-hmm. um as a teenager you know um and that he's just been doing like you know so the reason that he's been doing all this is because he just he's not got any opportunities like to make money and stuff um he has to do all this kind yeah, of stuff because yeah, he's take the role of, yeah like a parent role because he's got a guardian but the guardian might as well not exist you know mm-hmm. and like, it's a real real horrible kind of sad note to kind of like sort of finish on but obviously like Moses does save the day at the end of the movie mm-hmm. and stuff as well um, like you know he does lead all the aliens down to the apartment and then blows it up 
and then hangs out of the hangs out of the exposed flat windows on a union jack of all mm. things as well um but you know it's a really strong ending and um, it's yeah. a really really strong having ending. everyone chant his name and yeah. sort of realize that he can have another uh, there are other things that he can do yeah he um, doesn't need to none of these kids have to fall into like what's expected of them yes. like you know um they can be the heroes in yeah, that storyline um, rather than being the villains um, that people sort of make them out to be in general, whether that be the papers or the news or stuff. They they don't have to become what yeah. people are like. People are scared of really yeah. because then and a lot of the time it's not their fault. Like you know, no. again, it's it's the opportunities that are given to these people, which are almost none. Like you know, we're living under a Tory government right now, and like there are cuts left, right, and centre from people all over the country who are in less than ideal living circumstances yeah, or, or social circumstances yeah like even from an education perspective um a lot of schools being cut um teachers wages yeah. um elements of school whether it be like the arts or the music being cut because yeah. they don't have the, the funding for it um as you say like having youth groups uh, not having that in places because they don't have the money to sort of bring that exactly up. um Healthcare and mental health care for children and adults. Yeah. So, I mean, taking it from say, you have you have people that don't have the parents there to support them because they don't have the support themselves. Yeah. Um, funding for people in these places and any elements just to help sort of. And I mean, it's still a big problem today. So this film, I don't think it'll ever sort of age in the sense of what the commentary is because you're always going to get places which aren't as well off that don't get the help that they need and yeah. that's what brings them to the situations that they are and it's sort of it's a nice film to have although it's not always going to be like to have the hope that there can be a silver lining or exactly, you can get yourself yeah. out of the situation yeah like no matter what your upbringing is you can always you can always grow past it you yes. can always and it's difficult to make choices when you don't have the opportunities there um, but sometimes the choice is the hardest thing to make. Yes. Um, really, like, just a stellar movie. Um, it really is. Um, it's crazy that, like, you know, it took a couple of years for him to make a follow-up and stuff. Um, and I think that if I have any real sort of negative things to say about Attack the Block, which isn't really much, and I sort of said this after we watched it, was that I still find it a bit surprising that um, it's rated 15 um, and that it's violent as it is because some of the humour and stuff in it would be quite acceptable if it was like a 12 and if it was sort of aiming for that sort of like 12 to 15 year old market mm. um, I think that maybe if it was the sort of film maybe if it was released now yeah, it might be a 12 Yeah, I think um, yeah for the time it's probably just yeah. you know when, I feel like the, when, when it was before the 12 A rating as well no, it was, no, well, was it after, after, well after yeah, 12 well Because, um, yeah, if it was the sort of thing in cinema, 12A would be would probably fine. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, because when you look at the violence and stuff in the movie, like, it's just a little bit of gore and blood and stuff, but, like, it doesn't really flavour anything, like, too much. Like, no. you know, and, like, you can still get away with swearing and stuff in 12A. So you're, you can say the F-bomb, like, once or twice, and you can say, like, shit as many times as you like. Yeah. Um, And so, especially with, like, the sort of complexity of, like, um, sort of colloquial street language and stuff like that as well. You could probably get away with a lot more mm -hmm. if it wasn't rated so high. 
Um, yeah, because it does work as a good. I mean, it's a good film for adults to watch. Yeah. Um, but a good film, yeah, for te- like teenagers. For teenagers, as yeah. Well. Um, I think you know it could have done with maybe being toned down a little so that it could appeal to sort of a wider audience and stuff. Mm-hmm. And maybe it would, I think it was. I think box office wise, it done well enough, which is a shame because obviously the reason that I sort of want to sort of champion Joe Cornish a little bit is that his follow up was The Kid Who Would Be King from last year, which is a fucking great movie as oh, well it is. And um, another one to tug on the heartstrings yeah like. but it was also the big one of the biggest flops of that year yeah. um which is such a shame but the problem there being that the studio wanted to maybe make a franchise out of it so they fucking poured money you don't need all that money like no. it's such a simple movie and i appreciate the sort of step up in like budgetary quality like the special effects and stuff are great mm-hmm. you know it's a much bigger movie but it didn't need to be that big, um, you know. And I you think don't, yeah, as you say, you don't need to just chuck money into stuff. Um, yeah. Sometimes less is less is more. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, speaking of both films as a whole, like the, the sort of I'm sure Shaun of the Dead wasn't a massive budget film. No, I don't think it was. But like it was. They a, sort it was, of done what It was they a universal could. movie, but it was yeah. mostly made with funding. They were just distributing, so it was yeah. mostly just um. And I think as well, it was more just to do with. Um, people that Edgar Wright Knew. met over the years yeah. like he goes back he brings people back from like the women from space yeah. um, Chris Martin's got like a cameo in yeah. it um, as a zombie and in the news and as stuff himself, yeah. I think it's just sort of things like these are friends they've made over time so that you don't really need this huge budget you yeah. know like um, from his own work being able to just how good he is anyway yeah. as a director not like, even I don't even know if like you know the budget of the kid who would be king has anything to do with the fact that they had to hire Patrick Stewart and Rebecca Ferguson, and mm. um, uh, I think it's Andy Serkis's son is the main kid in it. I can't remember. Um, but you know, like it, just it, just support it. Like yeah. just support like you know he's a good director. And how, I think how like how much was the just out of curiosity? Do you know how much the budget was for Attack the Block? Oh, I've no idea. Um, not a clue. But like you know, I think as I sort of said earlier, like. Joe Cornish feels like he's more of a, a Steven Spielberg um, acolyte more than anything. The yeah. Kid Who Be King does that. Um, the Attack Attack Block does that as well. Um, but I think it just it just he has that style down, but not in a way where I feel like he's trying to imitate it too much. Mm-hmm. Um, the budget for um, Attack the Block was eight million. Okay. Oh, but it actually only made four point uh, four point one million. Oh, so it wasn't a. No, but you know maybe he's just having a bad time. I sure. think as well as um, obviously both movies are great. Um, as I was saying to Connor when we watched it, I was like, "Oh God, that's the film to follow is almost ten years after." Yeah, that's like quite a long break. To uh, as you say, obviously you did work with um, on Tintin, um, but yeah, to come out with like sort of feature length film because um, he is obviously good at what he does. Oh, absolutely. Um, um, I just I feel like that even eight million is quite low for Attack the Block, but. Mm-hmm. It's a difficulty with also like the the movie market in the UK is completely different. So, oh, 100%, you know, yeah. Like you know, it probably would have sank in like you know other territories. Like in the United States, it probably wouldn't have done well at all, um, just because of how sort of niche it is. Um, but yeah, it's a funny one. Um, I just I hope him luck for like whatever it is that he plans on doing next. Like I just hope that by sort of talking about it, if you've never seen Attack the Block, you go ahead and watch it, and then mm. if you like that, you would go ahead and watch The Kid Who Be King as well. Um, I mean, it's not high art, um, The Kid Who Would Be King, but it's a really enjoyable movie, and I mean, goddammit, it nearly made me cry, like, halfway no, through 100%. it. No, um, It's a very sweet movie, and I think 
more than anything and this is kind of why I always kind of say that Attack the Block should have been rated like a 12 or something mm. is that um, The Kid Who Became is obviously like a PG kids family movie yeah. but one thing that I always really respect in kids movies is when they don't treat kids like idiots who need to be sort of like cotton wooled to avoid the horrible things in the world so like you know The Kid Who King has some like pretty scary moments and I respect when kids movies get a little bit scary or get quite dark and stuff because kids are more capable of processing these things than like most parents would give them credit for. No, I'm, like, yeah. Especially the kind I of media that, yeah, I the think kind of media that we things, grew up yeah. for, like or the media that we grew up with and stuff like that as well. Like it was made for us, but it also respected the intelligence enough to realize that we can process these things mm. and that you can. You don't really need to always uh, like mollycoddle kids and not yeah. let them watch things. I think, um, especially things like this, it's sort of it's better for people that have the opportunity to watch things that are higher rated than the age they actually are yeah. because um, some things sometimes like I know sometimes are rated to protect people yeah. and I think in some senses with content of films then it is really important um, to have have ratings on especially when it's to do with um, you, you know like um, certain concepts or yeah. you know things that might trigger uh, situations that really kids shouldn't really be watching but yeah for things like this it's it's sort of especially in a day and age now where unfortunately kids can mostly get a hold of anything because yeah. of like online and stuff you yeah and really if, if you know if your parents were like oh you can't watch that film i yeah. think you'd probably go online and find that film and watch oh, it anyway um funnily enough i was actually just intrigued because obviously how little the film made and now as you were saying it doesn't have the people don't talk about this film enough because uh, also like oh what came out this year that year to sort of you had like 2011 yeah you had like um the deathly hallows part two mm. transformers dark of the moon pirates of the caribbean um twi- breaking dawn twilight part one mission impossible ghost protocol that's a sick movie um, the hangover part two cars two kung fu panda two like what a fucking weird year that was yeah but like you know that yeah. it's kind of hard to make money when you've got huge there, franchises yeah. in there there and obviously huge budget films yeah. um heads up to studios super eight. we don't need franchises all the time no i don't always need to see i just sometimes i just want a nice well-constructed tightly made movie i can watch once Mm-hmm. I enjoy it and I oh, come back completely. later. <laughs> it's it's always it's always kind of heartbreaking, you know, when you get a really really good film, you're like, that's you know, that's it's so perfect. Yeah. That's it, and then straight up, it's like it comes out like later. Oh, like there's a sequel being made just for, and it's like you don't always need yeah. to make like a franchise out of things. Like as you say, you don't. If you if you've got something good, don't don't try and spoil. It. Like I get that it can obviously work in some situations. Um, like I don't know if it was planned like the Cornetto trilogy when Shaun of the Dead came out I'm or not if sure if that just, was ever planned as such Um, like that works well you know it does for what it is and we were saying actually funnily enough that there's obviously talk of a, a Hot Fuzz too um, but I remember at the time when The World's End came out and Edgar Wright says no that's it that's yeah. three films we're getting we're, we're not getting you know Nick Frost and Simon Pegg back to keep doing the, like the same sort of roles that's that um and i was like good like you know you've got three good films you don't need to i, I know that they work great together but you don't need to keep i know yeah. you know churning out things i mean a great example of um like a little nod but not going too far is uh, like cuban fury 
oh, yeah, have yeah. like a little Simon Pegg like oh, yeah, he cameos, cameos that, yeah. um, just because obviously they've worked together for so long and stuff but as I say like these people also work really good themselves I mean all the things Simon Pegg's now been yeah. in like Mission Impossible yeah he's Mission Impossible um, I think he um, I think he wrote the last one Mm. I might be wrong. Yeah, no, I think you're um, right. no, no, sorry. Um, I'm thinking of a Star Trek Beyond. Yes, he, he wrote Star yes. Trek Beyond. Yeah. Um, it shows because Star Trek Beyond is the best out of the new Star Trek movies, and it kind of shows because at least Simon Pegg understands what Star Trek is more about than He's fucking JJ Abrams and yeah. David S. Goyer and Damon Lindelof yeah. and all. And it's always as well like, um, I mean, speaking of Edgar Wright and like Simon Pegg, taking people that are fans of certain things so yeah. obviously Edgar Wright's so into film yeah. um, he knows his films really well he knows you know stuff you've got like Simon Pegg and Nick Frost who are very well known for like completely geeking out about yeah. like music and film and they know these sort of things very well as well um, getting people that just enjoy things to actually make things about what they enjoy yeah. if that makes sense like let people like write what they want to write and yeah. you, you can get something great from it I mean Baby Driver is such a bizarre concept to think about like but it's also quite like you know I know what you mean it's a you bizarre know, like, concept if you to think about say, but it like, feels like it's a, a movie made almost like 40 years ago yeah yeah like, like it is it's it's great but like I, I can imagine obviously Edgar Wright being like oh, okay this is it this is our main character it's all based around music and like all this it's like great well, I think all of these like you know I think the difference between sort of Joe Cornish and Edgar Wright is that this is what I mean like I don't even mean a detracting kind of way because obviously I think Joe Cornish like wants to make good enjoyable movies and that's why I sort of say that he's like Spielbergian like he's yeah. his like his writing is tight his characters are tight the themes are like laser focused and stuff mm-hmm. and it, they're just all around enjoyable movies they're not anything groundbreaking but they're just super enjoy- and they can be watched by anybody yeah. um, with Edgar Wright I think he's a bit and this is probably why nobody's ever tried to like imitate his style is because you know it's not just any one thing that inspires Edgar Wright it's everything like you know so it's like his fucking bizarre taste in music it's like all the movies he likes even like recently um, if you follow him on Twitter you'll probably know that he's been like regularly posting like pictures of like uh, double features funnily enough mm. um, but also like pictures of like his like Criterion collection and stuff mm-hmm. but he, this is the guy who like made not lowbrow movies but you know what I mean like he made movies for everyone but he's the guy who has like a collection of Criterion movies yeah. like you know so like he, he's got an eclectic taste in everything and there's not one single thing that inspires him most mm-hmm. essentially it's, it's an element of yeah, all, yeah it's an amalgamation of everything yeah. that he likes you know like this is what like, I know I made a joke about it earlier but like he's like I think every single movie of his has a song by Beck in it somewhere yeah Um, and you know he also went on to eventually direct a music video for Beck yeah. and Beck came on board and done original music for Scott Pilgrim too yeah. so like you know like you know like you know you know one thing you can pin Edgar right to is literally everything just everything that he likes will find a way in there and it never feels like it's muddy or messy mm-hmm. it's just it's just a sort of celebration of everything not just the movies or the video games or the music it's just whatever he likes then hopefully yeah. you like it too um so overall is there anything I should say about either of them I mean no they're as both great movies as yeah. I say um, I think they do work well as double features um, that's just what I was going to ask yeah, no I like 100% I think they do um, both very well done like British comedy films yeah um, we were talking like a lot there's we wanted to kind of do this because obviously one's more well known yeah other's not as I say it's, it's something that we probably will do more episodes of like British films um, just as a sort of double feature um more so probably like British horror, um, because there are like a few, 
Um, and as I say, like British and American, just as two um, different types are completely different. Yeah. Especially uh, when it comes to like comedy or comedy horror. Well, it's funny that we actually chose this episode because we knew that they were both kind of comedies and a little bit more light-hearted. But we actually spent more time talking about like the more serious aspects yes. of each movie, <laughs> which is, um, which yeah. is surprising. But I didn't expect that to turn. I didn't expect it to turn mm-hmm. out this way. Um, I think like uh, would I suggest them as a double feature? Yeah, I would. I think the the main difference being that um, just I think the theming. So like you know, Shaun of the Dead is mm. is is a is a is a, a very very funny movie with a good hearty theme but it's a personal theme whereas Attack the Block is a funny movie considerably less funnier than Shaun of the Dead yes. but still funny a bit um, more serious yeah, bit more gritty bit more serious bit more gritty and also the theme is focused more on a, a sort of commentary slash sort of societal yes, kind of theme more so than a personal yeah. one um, even though there are personal touches there as well mm-hmm. um but I think they do work well together overall. But I think that if you're looking for comedy, you're probably going to have a better time watching Shaun of the Dead than Attack yes. the Block. Like, it is funny, yep. but um, it definitely isn't quite. It, nothing could ever really match no. just how funny Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg can be yeah, when, when they're that clever at I writing. I think he's, well, obviously worth saying that, um, which obviously we did kind of talk about when we were talking about Shaun of the Dead, is um, it's a very British thing to when you're struggling or if you have an issue yeah. to kind of laugh it off or m- make a joke to sort of lighten the situation and I think that, that especially in Attack the Block as yeah. you say it is quite gritty but there are elements of like comedy in it to sort of like, like lighten yeah. the mood slightly and I mean that is that's what I mean by like American and British um, comedy wise completely different yeah um like the jokes in Shaun of the Dead that it, it, and it does jump in Shaun of the Dead as well when you have the emotional moments yeah. like when they're in the car when yeah. um, but they're given room to breathe like yes. the emotional moments have their own little sort of like air bubbles to sort of yeah. exist in it doesn't ever feel like it's like cutting things short to have those well saying that I mean like there's that one bit in Shaun of the Dead when obviously Shaun's mum's starting to die mm-hmm. um and it's like it happens right in the middle of like the pub getting like overrun but as it happens and like as the sort of emotions come out the zombies just fuck off and disappear like they for i know like you know a cinema sin type is gonna be like where the fuck do the zombies go dang but like it doesn't matter it happened because it needed the tension yeah. and then the tension helped alleviate well the tension adds to you know the emotion of the mother dying and then the zombies go away so that that scene can just be a scene by itself yeah. Um, so yeah, like you know, I think a lot of times a lot of people, a lot of lesser directors would have a lot of difficult, uh, t- difficulty trying to, mm. you know, because emotion and laughter, well, you know, genuine sad emotion and laughter like oil and water. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you don't laugh, you'll cry, kind of thing. So yeah, that's what I mean. It's it's, it's they they both do a very good job of sort of adding humor. Yeah. But still tackling real issues. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Um, we probably will do like an episode more on maybe British horror for like a serious like as an on a more serious kind of yeah note. we've been um, trying to figure out how to get we that like we have just to sort of bring up obviously because we don't know where we're sort of we we have a few films that we kind of want to talk about um obviously if you have any recommendations for how to sort of do things but there there's a lot of films like we've got Possum. Mm. Um, which we kind of want to talk about but don't really know where to sort of fit in a double feature because if you've seen Possum it's um, 
There's nothing like Potter. Oh yeah, it's someone else. Um, we kind of spoke. We've sort of been on a back and forth about um, the ritual because it isn't actually a British. No, it's not. But it's not a British horror film, but it's got British actors in it. Got British actors, and it's kind of set. In, uh, is it set in Britain? No. No, it's not. Okay, sorry. Um, it's got British actors. It in starts it. in Britain. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's um. So it's that's a hard one um because it comes off quite british but yeah it's not but it's an american director yes yeah yeah but Um, but it's one of those things as well where it's like it's a worldwide team as well like it is no yeah um it was european and british and stuff as well but like you know it's um it's it's difficult um we've been throwing around ideas for it but i think we may have one eventually yeah we've got um you've got things like um ghost stories ghost stories as well we've obviously been talking which is a very kind of niche as well um you, you would think with a name like ghost stories that it's you know it's a ghost but it's, it's completely there's yeah, so many that, yeah. so much more going on in that film that it's kind of hard so i don't know if we're, we're going to do episodes with these films singularly oh another one is um i cannot think of the film but um director of a field in england oh kill list kill list yeah you've got things like kill list that's obviously a lot more gritty and a lot more serious but if you've seen Kill List as well it's um starts off as one thing and um, comes another comes another so yeah we have a lot of british movies that we really really want to talk about but we just haven't worked out whether to do it as a double feature or uh, an episode by themselves um do we have anything lined up for the next episode yes oh well, here we go I'm not 100% sure if, if we've agreed uh, the problem is at the moment because we're actually like I'm going to have to like slip the last episode we recorded in between some episodes because we've kind of planned ahead yeah, but not planned to have that episode in it so even if we say the next episode is going to be something it could be something different by the time it actually comes to it so uh, we were going to do a remake episode ah uh, yes okay um, to do with uh, a film very close to our hearts yeah, that's true. Um, um, that's going to be weird, actually. I completely forgot that's yes, what we're going to do. Um, as I say, we might n- not 100%, but we still want to do it, so we might... Um, should we say what it is? No, we'll leave it at TBC right now. Yeah. Um, One, the remake came out... Was it last year? Yes. Yes. Um, and it's a very famous classic horror film yes yes it is um, and the, yeah the remake came out last year so you can have a little guess but um yes and if as i say if anyone has any recommendations uh, feel free to let us know yeah and uh thank you very much for joining us this week stay safe everybody stay home and we'll see you next time see ya